Chapter Forty of the Hidden Hand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bridget. The Hidden Hand by E. D. E. N. Southworth. Chapter Forty. Cap in Captivity. I lingered here and rescue planned for Clara and for me. Scott. Meanwhile, how fared it with Capitola in the hidden house? I am in for it now," said Cap, as she closed the door behind Clara. "I am in for it now. This is a jolly, imprudent adventure. What will Wool do when he discovers that he has lost sight of me? What will Uncle say when he finds out what I've done? Whew! Uncle will explode. I wonder if the walls at Hurricane Hall will be strong enough to stand it. Wool will go mad. I doubt if he will ever do a bit more good in this world. But above all, I wonder what the Lenors. Father and son will say when they find that the heiress is flown, and a beggar, as Uncle flatters me by calling me, will be here in her place. Wee wee wee! There will be a tornado. Cap, child, they'll murder you. That's just what they'll do. They'll kill and eat you, Cap, without any salt. Or they may lock you up in the haunted room to live with the ghost, Cap, and that would be worse. Hush! Here comes darkest night. Now I must make believe I'm Clara. And do the sentimental up brown," concluded Capitola, as she seated herself near the door where she could be heard, and began to sob softly. Dorcas rapped. Cap sobbed in response. "Are you coming to luncheon, Miss Day?" inquired the woman. "Ee he, I do not want to eat," sobbed Cap in a low and smothered voice. Any one would have thought she was drowned in tears. "Very well, just as you like," said the woman harshly as she went away. Well, I declare," laughed Cap. "I did that quite as well as an actress could. But now, what am I to do? How long can I keep this up? Hi ho! Let the world slide. I'll not reveal myself until I'm driven to it. For when I do, Cap, child, you'll get chawed right up. A little later in the day, Dorcas Knight came again and rapped at the door. Ee he, ee he, ee he," sobbed Cap. Miss Day, your cousin Craven Lenore wishes to speak with you alone. Ee he, ee he, ee he! I cannot see him," sobbed Cap in a low and suffocating voice. The woman went away, and Cap suffered no other interruption until six o'clock, when Dorcas Knight once more rapped, saying, "Miss Day, your uncle is at the front door with a carriage, and he wishes to know if you are ready to obey him." Ee he, ee he, ee he! T t tell him yes," sobbed Cap, as if her heart would break. The woman went off with this answer, and Capitola hastily enveloped her form in Clara's large black shawl, put on Clara's black bonnet, and tied her thick mourning veil closely over her face. A pretty bridal dress, this. But, however, I suppose these men are no more particular about my costume than they are about their own conduct," said Cap. She had just drawn on her gloves when she heard the footsteps of two men approaching. They rapped at the door. Come in," she sobbed in a low, broken voice that might have belonged to any girl in deep distress, and she put a white cambric handkerchief up to her eyes and drew her thick veil closely over her face. The two Lenors immediately entered the room. Craven approached her and whispered softly, "You will forgive me this, my share in these proceedings. After a while, sweet Clara, the Sabine woman did not love the Roman youths the less that they were forcibly made wives by then." Ee he, ee he, ee he," sobbed Cap, entirely concealing her white cambric handkerchief under her impenetrable veil. "Come, come, we lose time," said the elder Lenor. "Draw her arm within yours, Craven, and lead her out." The young man did as he was directed and led Cap from the room. It was now quite dark. The long, dreary passage was only dimly lighted by a hanging lamp, 
so that with the care she took there was scarcely a possibility of Capitola's being discovered. They went on, Craven Lenore whispering hypocritical apologies, and Cap replying only by low sobs. When they reached the outer door, they found a close carriage drawn up before the house. To this Craven Lenore led Capitola, placed her within, and took the seat by her side. Colonel Lenore followed, and placed himself in the front seat opposite them, and the carriage was driven rapidly off. An hour's ride brought the party to an obscure church in the depths of the forest, which Capitola recognized by the cross on its top to be a Roman Catholic chapel. Here the carriage drew up, and the two Lenores got out and assisted Capitola to alight. They then led her into the church, which was dimly illumined by a pair of wax candles burning before the altar. A priest in his sacerdotal robes was in attendance. A few country people were scattered thinly about among the pews, at their private devotions. Guarded by Craven Lenore on the right, and Colonel Lenore on the left, Capitola was marched up the aisle and placed before the altar. Colonel Lenore then went and spoke apart to the officiating priest, saying, in a tone of dissatisfaction, "'I told you, sir, that as our bride was an orphan, recently bereaved, and still in deep mourning, we wished the marriage ceremony to be strictly private, and you gave me to understand, sir, that at this hour the chapel was most likely to be vacant.' "'Yet here I find a half-score of people. How is this?' "'Sir,' replied the priest, "'it is true that at this hour of the evening the chapel is most likely to be vacant, but it is not therefore certain to be so, nor did I promise as much. Our chapel is, as you know, open at all hours of the day and night, that all who please may come and pray. These people that you see are hard-working farm laborers, who have no time to come in the day, and who are now here to offer up their evening prayers.' and also, some of them, to examine their consciences preparatory to confession. They can certainly be no interruption to this ceremony. "'Egad, I don't know that,' muttered Colonel Lenore, between his teeth. As for Cap, the sight of other persons present in the chapel filled her heart with joy and exultation, inasmuch as it ensured her final safety. And so she just abandoned herself to the spirit of frolic that possessed her, and anticipated with the keenest relish the denouement of her strange adventure." "'Well, what are we waiting for? Proceed, sir, proceed,' said Colonel Lenore, as he took Cap by the shoulders, and placed her on the left side of his son, while he himself stood behind, ready to give the bride away. The ceremony immediately commenced. The prologue beginning, "'Dearly beloved, we are gathered together here,' etc., 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 was read. The solemn exhortation to the contracting parties, commencing— I require and charge ye both, as ye shall answer in the dreadful day of judgment, when the secrets of all hearts shall be disclosed, that if either of you know any just cause or impediment, why ye may not lawfully be joined together, etc., 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 followed. Capitola listened to all this with the deepest attention, saying to herself, Well, I declare, this getting married is really awfully interesting. If it were not for Herbert Grayson, I'd just let it go right straight on to the end, and see what would happen next. While Cap was making these mental comments, the priest was asking the bridegroom, "'Wilt thou have this woman to be thy wedded wife?' etc., 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 so long as ye both shall live? To which Craven Lenore, in a sonorous voice, responded, "'I will.' "'Indeed you will. We'll see that presently,' said Cap to herself. The priest, then turning toward the bride, inquired, "'Wilt thou have this man to be thy wedded husband?' etc., 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 so long as ye both shall live?' To which the bride, throwing aside her veil, answered firmly, "'No, 
Not if he were the last man and I the last woman on the face of the earth, and the human race was about to become extinct, and the angel of Gabriel came down from above to ask it of me as a personal favor. The effect of this outburst, this revelation, this explosion, may be imagined, but can never be adequately described. The priest dropped his book and stood with lifted hands and open mouth and staring eyes, as though he had raised a ghost. The two Lenores simultaneously sprang forward, astonishment, disappointment, and rage contending in their blanched faces. "'Who are you, girl?' exclaimed Colonel Lenore. "'Capitola Black, your honor's glory,' she replied, making a deep curtsy. "'What the foul fiend is the meaning of all this?' in the same breath inquired the father and son. Cap put her thumb on the side of her nose, and whirling her four fingers, replied, "'It means, your worship's excellencies, that you can't come it. It's no go. This chicken won't fight. It means that the fat's in the fire, and the cat's out of the bag. It means confusion, distraction, perdition, and a tearing off of our wigs. It means the game's up, the play's over, villainy is about to be hanged, and virtue about to be married, and the curtain is going to drop, and the principal performer— that's I, is going to be called out amid the applause of the audience. Then suddenly changing her mocking tone to one of great severity, she said, It means that you have been outwitted by a girl. It means that your purposed victim has fled, and is by this time in safety. It means that you two, precious father and son, would be a pair of knaves if you had sense enough. But failing in that, you were only a pair of fools." By this time the attention of the few persons in the church was aroused. They all arose to their feet to look and listen, and some of them left their places and approached the altar. And to these latter Capitola now suddenly turned, and said aloud, "'Good people, I am Capitola Black, the niece and ward of Major Ira Warfield, of Hurricane Hall, whom you all know, and now I claim your protection while I shall tell you the meaning of my presence here.' "'Don't listen to her. She is a maniac,' cried Colonel Lenore. "'Stop her mouth!' cried Craven, springing upon Capitola, and holding her tightly in the grasp of his right arm, while he covered her lips and nostrils with his large left hand. Capitola struggled so fiercely to free herself that Craven had enough to do to hold her, and so was not aware of a ringing footstep coming up the side, until a stunning blow dealt from a strong arm covered his face with blood and stretched him out at Capitola's feet. Cap flushed, breathless and confused, looked up, and was caught to the bosom of Herbert Grayson, who, pale with concentrated rage, held her closely and inquired, "'Capitola, what violence is this which has been done you? Explain. Who is the aggressor?' "'Wait, wait, wait until I get my breath. There, that was good. That villain has all but strangled me to death. Oh, Herbert, I'm so delighted you've come. How is it that you always drop right down at the right time and on the right spot?' said Cap, while gasping for breath. "'I will tell you another time.' Now I want an explanation. Yes, Herbert, I also wish to explain, not only to you, but to these gaping good people. Let me have a hearing, said Cap. She is mad, absolutely mad, cried Colonel Lenore, who was assisting his son to rise. Silence, sir, thundered Herbert Grayson, advancing toward him with uplifted and threatening hand. Gentlemen, gentlemen, pray remember that you are within the walls of a church, said the distressed priest. "'Craven, this is no place for us. Let us go and pursue our fugitive ward,' whispered Colonel Lenore to his son. "'We might as well, for it is clear that all is over here,' replied Craven, and the two baffled villains turned to leave the place. But Herbert Grayson, speaking up, said, 
"'Good people, prevent the escape of those men "'until we hear what this young lady has to say, "'that we may judge whether to let them go "'or to take them before a magistrate.' "'The people flew to the doors and windows and secured them, "'and then surrounded the two Lenores, "'who found themselves prisoners. "'Now, Capitola, tell us how it is that you are here,' "'said Herbert Grayson. "'Well, that elder man,' said Cap, "'is the guardian of a young heiress, "'who is betrothed to a worthy young man, "'one Dr. Travers Rock.' "'My friend,' interrupted Herbert. "'Yes, Mr. Grayson, your friend. "'Their engagement was approved by the young lady's father, "'who gave them his dying blessing. "'Nevertheless, in the face of all this, "'this guardian here, "'appointed by the orphan's court "'to take charge of the heiress and her fortune, "'undertakes for his own ends "'to compel the young lady to break her engagement "'and marry his own son. "'To drive her to this measure, "'he does not hesitate to use every species of cruelty. "'This night he was to have forced her to this altar.' But in the interval, to-day, I chanced to visit her at the house where she was confined. Being informed of her distressing situation, and having no time to help her in any better way, I just changed clothes with her. She escaped unsuspected in my dress, and those two heroes there, mistaking me for her, forced me into a carriage and dragged me hither to be married against my will. And, instead of catching an heiress, they caught a tartar, that's all. And now, Herbert, let the two poor wretches go hide their mortification— and do you take me home, for I am immensely tired of doing the sentimental, making speeches, and piling up the agonies. While Cap was delivering this long oration, the two Lenores had made several essays to interrupt and contradict her, but were effectually prevented by the people, whose sympathies were all with the speaker. Now at Herbert Grayson's command they released the culprits, who threatening loudly took their departure. Herbert then led Capitola out and placed her upon her own pony, which, to her unbounded astonishment, she found there in charge of Wool, who was also mounted upon his own hack. Herbert Grayson threw himself into the saddle of a third horse, and the three took the road to Hurricane Hall. "'And now,' said Capitola, as Herbert rode up to her side, "'for mercy's sake, tell me, before I go crazy with conjecture, how it happened that you dropped down from the sky at the very moment and on the very spot where you were needed, and where did you light upon Wool and the horses?' "'It is very simple when you come to understand it,' said Herbert, smiling. "'In the first place, you know, I graduated at the last commencement.' "'Yes. Well, I have just received a lieutenant's commission in a regiment that is ordered to join General Scott in Mexico.' "'Oh, Herbert, that is news, and I don't know whether to be in despair or in ecstasy,' said Cap, ready to laugh or cry, as a feather's weight might tip the scales in which she balanced Herbert's new honours with his approaching perils.' "'If there's any doubt about it, I decidedly recommend the latter emotion,' said Herbert, laughing. "'When do you go?' inquired Cap. "'Our regiment embarks from Baltimore on the first of next month. "'Meanwhile, I got leave of absence to come and spend a week with my friends at home.' "'Oh, Herbert, I—I am in a quandary. "'But you haven't told me yet how you happened to meet Wool, "'and to come here just in the nick of time.' "'I am just going to do so.' "'Well, you see, Capitola, I came down in the stage to Tip-Top, which I reached about three o'clock. And there I found Wool in the hands of the Philistines, suspected of being mad, from the manner in which he raved about losing sight of you. Well, of course, like a true knight, I delivered my lady squire, comforted and reassured him, and made him mount his own horse and take charge of yours. After which I mounted the best beast that I had hired to convey me to Hurricane Hall, and we all set off thither.' I confess that I was excessively anxious upon your account, for I could make nothing whatever of Wool's wild story of your supposed metamorphosis. I thought it best to make a circuit and take the hidden house in our course, 
to make some inquiries there as to what had really happened. I had got a little bewildered between the dark night and the strange road, and seeing the light in the church, I had just ridden up to inquire my way, when to my astonishment I saw you within, before the altar, struggling in the grasp of that ruffian. And you know the rest. And now let us ride on quickly, for I have a strong presentiment that Major Warfield is suffering the tortures of a lost soul through anxiety upon your account, concluded Herbert Grayson. "'Please, Mars Herbert and Miss Cap, don't you tell old Mars nothin' tall about my losin' sight of you,' pleaded Wool. "'We shall tell your old master all about it, Wool, for I would not have him miss the pleasure of hearing this adventure upon any account. But I promise to bear you harmless through it,' said Herbert, as they galloped rapidly toward home. They reached Hurricane Hall by eight o'clock, and in good time for supper. They found old Hurricane storming all over the house, and ordering everybody off the premises, in his fury of anxiety upon Capitola's account.' But when the party arrived, surprise at seeing them in the company of Herbert Grayson quite revolutionized his mood, and forgetting to rage, he gave them all a hearty welcome. And when after supper was over, and they were all gathered around the comfortable fireside, and Herbert related the adventures and feats of Capitola at the hidden house, and in the forest chapel, the old man grasped the hand of his favorite, and with his stormy old eyes full of rain said, "'You deserve to have been a man, Cap. Indeed you do, my girl.' That was his highest style of praise. Then Herbert told his own little story of getting his commission and being ordered to Mexico. "'God bless you, lad, and save you in the battle, and bring you home with victory,' was old Hurricane's comment. Then seeing that the young people were quite worn out with fatigue, and feeling not averse to his own comfortable couch, old Hurricane broke up the circle, and they all retired to rest. End of chapter 40